The following program contains elements of programming that are previously recorded and may appear as live. Welcome to Hope Reigns, a show brought to you by Eight Days of Hope, where we share God-sized stories from the mission field all around the country. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Tiber and Mike Fiella. Well, welcome back to another week of Hope Reigns, a broadcast of Eight Days of Hope. Thank you for joining us. I'm so excited to share some God-sized stories from the mission field today. Uh, my name is Steve Tiber. I'm one of the leaders of Eight Days of Hope, or a national ministry, and we respond to natural disasters either within 24 hours after a flooding um uh, flooding, tornadoes, hurricanes, snowstorms, windstorms, all the above. And we're just trying to be the hands and feet of Jesus, helping families navigate the first couple days. Uh, and we'll be there for a couple weeks serving families. We started in 2005 after Hurricane Katrina. Uh, the arm that was known around the country was our rebuilding arm, which launched in December of 2005 where skilled and less skilled volunteers travel the country, uh, usually with about a 90-day notice, and we rebuild homes for free in eight days. We just left Laplace, Louisiana after Hurricane Ida. 1,500 volunteers helped 132 families rebuild their homes for free, all in the name of Jesus. And I'm smiling because only God, right? But God. Today... I'm honored because normally, like, there's a co-host. His name is Mike Fiello. He's been with been with me, and we've been doing this together for a little over three years now. But for the next two weeks, he is out of pocket. So I, I was kind of looking at my phone last night, going, okay, Lord, who do I call to kind of step in? And it was an obvious choice. I want to welcome Scott Lackey to Hope Reigns. Hey, Scott, how are you, my man? Hey, I'm great. Thank you for having me today. I'm excited to be here with you, Steve. You know, it's, it's funny is... Um, Scott, you, you know you're you're a pastor, uh, so you know your full time job ministry role is is to you know being a shepherd. Um, you and your wife uh, live in Western New York, and so even though this is being heard today in California and Kansas and Missouri, um, you, but but you're not from here. Let's do this. Let's tell because you're you're going to be the co-host <laughs> the next two weeks. Let's tell the listeners a little bit about Scott and maybe a little about about your 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 journey and your church. Yeah, I was raised in Northern Virginia. And then 10 years ago, this month, actually, I moved up to Western New York, graduated high school, felt a call to ministry, had an opportunity up here, moved up here, and immediately fell in love with the area. And that's when I met my wife. She's from this area. And after a few years of living up here, we got married and we said, we're going to stay in Buffalo and we feel called to just do ministry in this area and bring the gospel to Western New York because we love this community and we love the people here. And you've got a voice for radio too, so you know it's uh, unlike Mike and I. You, man, you just come in here, yeah. you're like real crisp and clean. I like it. No, brother. I learned from you. I oh, learned yeah. everything oh, I yeah. know from oh, you. Yeah, okay. yeah. Well, be careful what you learn, right? <laughs> um, so you're a pastor of a church, New Story Church. Yes, sir. It's a church plant, and I think it's been around for about two years now. Yeah, it's in late 2018, we felt God leading us to start a church. Okay. And he started bringing some pieces together. He gave us a core verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Anyone is in Christ is a new creation. Mm. So we said, well, new creation, new story. That means anyone in Christ can have a new story. But it also means that as we come together as the church, we can write a new story in our city. We can write a new story in our community in the name of Jesus. In 2018, God put some pieces together. He brought another couple into our lives who also wanted to start a church. And we put together a two-year plan to start a church and said, we're going to start a church in 2020. 
because that's the perfect year to sure, start a pandemic, church. Sure, pandemic, right? Well, let's, <laughs> let's do it, right? Now, how'd you come up with that time frame, brother? I mean, I, I, that's got to be God, because in, on paper, you know, churches, especially in New York State where you pastor, a lot of churches couldn't even be open for a period of time. It, uh, I mean, it was like the worst case scenario to start a church. Was that your choice or your wife's? You know, you're going to blame your wife? Or your, uh, but, so how's it worked out? It has been absolutely incredible. You know, as you mentioned, New York State wasn't an easy place to get going in 2020. Sure, sure. I had friends across the country starting churches who hmm. were going to use schools, movie theaters. Those places were closed, and they were closed here as well. And God opened up a door for us to meet in a former school that a private owner owns, and he said hey, we can figure out a way for you guys to meet here starting oh, in 2020. Okay. And it was really cool the way he opened that up for us. And since we've been meeting for the past couple of years, we've been growing, we've been connecting with new people, and we've been seeing countless stories of people discovering the new story it. that Christ has for them. I love it. I love it. And so Scott's going to be co-hosting today and next week, filling in for Mike as Mike is out of the pocket. Welcome to Hope Reigns. And you've also been a volunteer with 8 Days Hope. You, you've you've done some ministry with 8 Days Hope, so you're familiar with the ministry. Yes. How'd you hear about 8 Days of Hope? Heard about 8 Days of Hope. We were working at another church here locally called okay. The Chapel sure. before we started a new story. And we saw your face popping up. Oh, gosh, and here we, we go. saw Steve Tiber. Yeah. And I saw you and I said, that's the type of person we want to be connected with. Oh, that's okay. the type of ministry we want to be connected Amen. with. Praise because God. whenever you talk, it's all glory to God. It's all glory to what Christ is doing. And we said, that's the type of thing mm. that we want to be involved with. And when we saw 8 Days of Hope, we saw two things. One, we saw people coming to know Christ. We saw God being glorified. And secondly, what we saw was love for our city. And we hmm. really wanted to emphasize that with New Story, was a love for our community, a love for our city. And Eight Days of Hope Buffalo opens up the perfect opportunity, the perfect door for that to happen. So people are listening in Louisiana and Mississippi, and they know Eight Days of Hope is the organization that goes around the country, 64 disasters now to be the hands and feet of Jesus, either right afterwards or months later to rebuild homes for free. Another new arm, which we'll talk a little bit more about today, is our arm where we build facilities for ministries that provide hope to those who are feeling hopeless, those rescued from sex trafficking. Now you, you volunteered at our one-off outreach in the upstate part of New York called Buffalo, yep. um, where, where your church is located, or at least in that area. So was 8 Days Old Buffalo 2019 uh, that you were part of, or was it last year? Last year was my first okay. one that I was a part of. And that was the Maston District. Yes. So a lot going on in Buffalo, Scott. I mean, you, you, this is the place I call home as well, even though, you know, t this week I'll be in Jackson, Tennessee, and the week after Florida, and, you know, you just go where you have to go. You know, last week we had Pastor Shep Clark on here, Andre Shep Clark. Everyone calls him Shep around here, a pastor in the inner city of Buffalo. And if you've been watching the news today, you know, you're driving a car down Virginia, a road in Virginia, or, or you're in Minnesota, we had a horrific and horrific shooting uh, just a couple weeks ago today. And um, it, it was it was it was life changing, Scott. And you know, to have Pastor Shep on the show last week, if you didn't tune in last week to Hope Rains, where we Normally share missions, you know, God-sized stories from the mission field, but because this is so real and so close to home, this has been a this has been a tough couple of weeks trying to navigate. Now I know that you have gone. So for those who don't know, I, I think most would. Two weeks ago today, a gentleman traveled a couple hundred miles to the inner city of Buffalo, to a black community uh, that's eighty-five percent populated African American black, 
went to a local supermarket and shot 13 people, killed 10 people, 10 people who went to the store for eggs, for milk, for a birthday cake for their three-year-old son, and they never went home. And Scott, I know it's if it's not in your community, it doesn't impact you, but it's impacted you, it's impacted me, it's impacted our families, our communities. Um, it's been a whirlwind the last two weeks, and you've been to the site. I believe you've either gone down there to counsel or to pray. It's been two weeks. What's what's going through your mind? What has God shown you during this this process of of I don't even want to say healing yet, but just going through the hurt and the grief. And I know healing's coming, but right now there's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of grief. There is. Uh, I've been down there. I actually had the opportunity to pray with some of the employees who work at that supermarket, mm. who oh, were man. witnesses to the atrocity that occurred. And it's just, it's surreal to be there. It's one of those things where you kind of think maybe I have some words to say, but then you get there in the moment and you're like, I I was praying and somebody said, hey, pastor, do you want to share? And I really felt the Holy Spirit saying to me, now's the time to just listen. And I said, I just want to pray. I want to listen to where you guys are at. And the closest scripture I could find was in Genesis 50, where Joseph said, what you intended for evil, God meant for good. But I was also reminded that it took years for Joseph to get to that moment. Mm. It took quite some, it wasn't just overnight. And in situations like this, it's just going to be important for us to continue to listen, to continue to pray together, and believe that God is going to continue to work through this, and he is doing something. But for many, as I was talking in that community, so many different people with different perspectives of oh, yes. in the neighborhood. It's it one you know one moment I could be talking to someone who's crying, the next moment I could be talking with somebody who is saying God is going to do something in this. It, it's just mm. there's just so many different emotions, and there's shock, and there's hurt, and we believe God is good, but I think for many, it's it's almost probably similar to the feeling that the disciples had on Saturday. Mm. You know, when right. Jesus was crucified on Saturday and sure. you're like what could what could what's next? Right. Not knowing what was next. Yes. You know, Abraham carrying Isaac up the mountain not knowing that there was going to be um something good right around the corner and you know, last week we had a chance to talk to Pastor Shep and again, go to 8daysofhope.com, click on the media side of things. And you can listen to that conversation. It's a tough conversation. It was a tough one to navigate. I mean, you have Scott and I, a different color than Pastor Shep, the 10 people that were killed, the 13 that were shot, um, African-American. And so, you know, there's a lot of challenges in our country, in our world. But here's one thing I know, Scott, because I, too, went down yesterday, actually, to go pray. And I, I didn't say one word. I walked, I went to the site where many had lost their life. I just shut my eyes and I prayed. And you're right, I looked around. There was a group to the left of me, like six people holding hands, praying, um, then singing. And then to the right of me, about 100 feet, was a gentleman who was sharing on a boombox his distaste for the racial discord in our country. And, And the dynamics of being right there was overwhelming. Yeah. 
these people did nothing wrong. They, they, the one gentleman went to the supermarket to buy a cake for his three-year-old son for his birthday party, and dad never came home. I mean, this is America. This shouldn't be happening. And then last week we talked a little bit. So what does the church do with all this? How do we respond? How, how do we understand that there is a deep divide? Yep. Now, now I get it. Our goal today is not to rile you up. God sits on the throne. He's the same God today as he was yesterday as he'll be tomorrow. He's in control. Right now, there's people that are hurting, that are asking questions, that are asking tough questions, and they're valid. You know, our, our common council president, Darius Pridgens, here in upstate New York, he's a pastor. He loves the Lord. I know him. Um, he and I went to the same high school and and uh, just a God-fearing man. But he just came out and said, don't talk to me about healing right now because the pain is real. Yep. Yeah, it's all too real. I think sometimes as Christians, we have a tendency, even in moments like this, to say, well, we know Jesus, and he's the answer, right. so we have the answer. Right. Right. And I underst- I completely understand the heart behind sure. that. Sure. But I, I think in this moment, it's appropriate for us to adopt the perspective that James gives us, and that's to be quick to listen mm, and slow on, to speak. Come on, come on. I don't love that verse, but I, I say that <laughs> I say that verse to myself thousands of times, Scott, because I'm a, you and I are communicators, yep. right? And and when you communicate, the temptation is not to listen. I'll, ne- I'll never. And we're going to change gears in a minute. We're going to make this a little bit lighter, I promise you. But I remember going home one time. I've been married, you know, thirty six years, and I remember one time my wife saying, "Steve, I love you." Um, you'd like to fix things right now. I just want you to listen. <laughs> now, I learned that very early. When Charmaine says that, that's pretty important. It's time to shush up, right? Yep. But hey, um, so let's change gears a little bit. Again, go go to the go to the archives. Go to eight eightdaysofhope.com and go to the media section and listen to the conversation we had last week with Pastor Shep, a pastor here in the inner city of Buffalo. And then pray about what God would speak to you about what you should do to bring peace, to bring love, to to be comfortable being uncomfortable as you seek out others that maybe aren't in your social social status or don't have the same color of skin or don't live in the same neighborhood. But when God created us, he created us equally. And, and, and I love Pastor Shep. I love my friends here in the inner city, and I love my friends in the suburbs. God just wants us to love him and love others. Let's not complicate it. Mm. Let's not complicate it. Hey, mm-hmm. today, though, we are going to change gears. Today, uh, Julianne Stone is the executive director of Scarlet Rope. It's a ministry in Jackson, Tennessee. And uh, Julianne is 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 going to be our guest today. We're going to be talking to her in just a couple minutes. As the executive director of the ministry, uh, we're working with her right now, Scott. We're working with them. We're, we're helping them build a 5,400-square-foot beautiful facility for women who've been rescued from sex trafficking. So um, don't worry if, if you got kids in the car. We're not going to cross any lines today. But the, the people need to know out there that sex trafficking is real. It's happening in every every area of the country. And yet there's opportunities for our listeners to join Aethys Hope as we build these facilities. Amen. Yeah, this is going to be a great opportunity for us as the church to hear about what is happening, what are we doing, and I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to take a break here in just a minute. We're going to bring uh, Julian Stone to you. 
We're really excited to do this today to share a little bit more about what's happening with Scarlet Rope down in Jackson, Tennessee. Thank you for joining us. We're so thankful that you've, you are hanging out with us today. You're listening to Hope Reigns. It's a broadcast of Eight Days of Hope. Hi, this is Steve Tiber with Eight Days of Hope. Do you know the fastest growing crime in America and across the world is human trafficking? We're talking about millions of lives, even children. You know, I know it's not a fun subject to talk about, but God has called the church to take off its blinders and end this human tragedy. And this isn't only just happening in Las Vegas or New Orleans or overseas. This is happening right here in our backyards. You know, God has opened the door for us to partner with existing ministries across the country who are serving survivors of human trafficking. And for 14 days and sometimes longer, we take skilled volunteers, tradesmen and women, come together to help build or remodel facility for free to provide a safe place to get the emotional, physical and spiritual healing that survivors need. This year, we have projects around the country. We're going to be doing framing and drywall, painting, electrical work, and so much more. And so if you're skilled in a trade, please contact us at safehouse at 8dayshope.com or for more information, go to the website 8daysofhope.com. 8 Days of Hope is supported by a combination of donations from listeners and business partners like Provia. Provia is a manufacturer of residential doors, windows, siding, stone, and metal roofing. Provia is committed to serving their customers and sharing Christ in order to let our light shine before others so they may see our good works and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. More about Provia and their products at provia.com. I speak the name of Jesus over you In your hurting, in your sorrow I will ask my God to move I speak the name cause it's all that I can do In desperation I'll seek heaven And pray this for you I pray for your healing the circumstances would change I pray that the fear inside would flee In Jesus' name I pray that a breakthrough Would happen today I pray miracles over your life In Jesus' name In Jesus' name Welcome back to Hope Reigns, a broadcast of Eight Days of Hope, the number one song for like the last 58 weeks, at least it feels that way, Katie Nicole, in Jesus' name. And um, we love Christian music, don't we, Scott? Yes, we do. Yeah. Steve Tiber hanging out with Scott Lackey, filling in for my dear friend, Mr. Mike Fiello, who'll be gone the next two weeks. And today, Scott, we have a guest. As you know, about two years ago, Eight Days of Hope start building facilities with and for ministries for free that are providing a safe place for those rescued from sex trafficking. And you're a pastor. Sex trafficking is not a fun thing to talk about, probably something you don't want to talk about on a Sunday morning, but it's real, and it's across the country. It's 100% real, and it's always one of those things, how do I say it, how do I bring it up, what words do I use? But we have to remember that there's darkness out there, and the best way to bring light to darkness is to expose it. Mm, amen. Wow, that's strong. Well, let's do this. Let's go ahead and bring up our guest. Uh, Julianne Stone is the executive director of Scarlet Rope in Jackson, Tennessee. Now, she talks a little bit different than you and I, Scott, but I like it. I really do. <laughs> Julianne, welcome to the show of Hope Reigns. How are you today? 
I'm great. Thank y'all for having me on here. Oh, and, and you're such a trooper. It was like last minute. You know, Eight Days of Hope, we're serving Scarlet Rope as we speak. We'll get to that eventually. But why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself as a person, your family, and how you got connected to Scarlet Rope? Um, well, I live in Jackson, Tennessee with my husband and my three kids. Uh, my husband is a native of Jackson. I um, was born and raised in Marion, Arkansas, and was um, imported to Jackson, as he likes to say. Um, and I have three kids, um, one who just graduated from Mississippi State. Yeah. He'll be moving to Dallas, Texas, um, yeah, to pursue his engineering career. And then I have another daughter um, who is still at Mississippi State uh, uh, in the marketing field. And then I have a 16-year-old who is um, a, will be a sophomore in high school here in Jackson, um, I've been married to my husband almost 25 years now, and I'm a registered nurse. Um, and and actually, even as the executive director of Scarlet Rope, I still continue on it with my nursing license because there's a lot of lot of medical health care involved in helping victims of trafficking. Mm-hmm. So, um, so the Lord. And ironically, I wanted to be a social worker all my life. I went growing up. I wanted to do something in psychology, but every woman in my family is a nurse. So I just kind of went to nursing school in that route. And, but the Lord knew my heart and put me right back in the field that I so dearly wanted to be a part of. So I'm grateful for that. Well, we're grateful for that too. How'd you get connected with Scarlet Rope? So I, um, I was, uh, one of the volunteers from the very beginning, the very uh, jump of Scarlet Rope, um, and how, how it was formed, which was about uh, seven and a half years ago, just some concerned citizens in our community were talking with law enforcement and asking the questions like, do we really have this here? Do we have sex trafficking here? And they were like, absolutely, yes, we do. And so um, – um, again, just some concerned citizens just started working alongside law enforcement, offering these women that were arrested for prostitution. However, we now know that that's a vicious cycle between prostitution and trafficking. So when they were arrested for prostitution, um, they could actually um, enter into a Scarlet Rope project. And we had a, um, a safe home, um, not the one that we have now today, but we had it was a, already a woman's home established in our community that we would uh, they we would allow them to stay there and we would provide them a few services and after doing that for about a year we realized the just all the needs and all the trauma and just all the hopelessness that we saw in these women and so we really wanted to create a program specific for their needs a holistic program that addresses all all the things from the spiritual traumas to the traumas that happen to their body to all the things. And so um, we took the leap of faith uh, three years later and um, rented our own house and moved the women into that and started developing our program, connecting with other agencies throughout the United States and really educating ourselves about how, what the best practices, the best services are for women coming out of these situations. Wow, that's incredible. So, Julianne, as you're processing this this whole thing that you've went through over the past few years and education and things like that, if I'm, if I'm just an average listener, what are some key things that you would say, hey, these are things that we as the church need to be made aware of, these are things we need to know about, mm-hmm. these, are, these are maybe some things that we've maybe been ignoring but can open our eyes a little bit to this atrocity and what's going on? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all... Um, 
the sex trafficking has no borders. It has no limits. It, it says, oh, those people are off or off limits. And it, it, that doesn't happen this way. We've had women who have come to our program, and we've served 42 women in our residential home. Some of those have come in with, with a fourth grade education out of sheer poverty. We've had women that have come into our home that were have master's degrees that were working in educational mm-hmm. fields. You know, um, so it, it has no borders. Um, um, and so I, I say to the church, like, we, we got to wake up. We got to, we got to yeah. invest in people that are among us. Who is sitting right in front of you that the Lord has placed that you need to invest in? Is it that 22 year old that, that just seems down? Is that that 16 year old that just seems aloof and, and so doesn't care about things? You know, how are people presenting to you and pray for that discernment? Like what, how can I serve the person sitting in front of me? That's where it starts relationship. Community is where it starts. Talking with Jewel Ann Stone, she's the executive director of Scarlet Rope. Scarlet Rope is based in Jackson, Tennessee, and you kind of hit in the beginning, Jewel Ann, you know, when, when, I, my, when my eyes started to open up and I started to learn more about trafficking, I just assumed, this is me now, we can go back five years, you know, it's a New Orleans, Las Vegas, New York City, Atlanta thing. That, that wasn't a Wichita, Kansas, Erie, Pennsylvania, Jackson, Tennessee, Tupelo, Mississippi thing. But boy, I, I was so wrong. I was so wrong. So talk to the listener out there that's mm-hmm. listening today in Georgia or Arkansas or, or in your home state of Tennessee where there's 11 stations uh, sharing this program today. How is it happening? Mm-hmm. I mean, wh- how does this that's start? How does yeah. this start? So, yeah, and we do a lot of education um, because uh, Jackson is a – I don't even know the size of Jackson. That's pretty sad, but it's it's in between Memphis and Nashville. So, for so even for me, um, in the very beginning, it was like, well, that happens in Memphis and that happens in Nashville. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen in Jackson. Well, it happens in Jackson and it happens in the smaller uh, communities outside of Jackson. It just presents itself differently. We have this uh, this in our mind's eye. We have the movie Taken. I can't. I, I get right, that yeah, all the time. Right. It's like the movie Taken, or we have. We have, you know, um, a big bad guy that's got, you know, these three women and they're chained up in a basement or, you know, something like that. We we have that narrative going and just we, we're keeping that narrative out there. I do feel like that narrative has changed over the past six or seven years with, with organizations like Scarlet Rope and, and In Slavery and Restore Corp in Memphis and all these. I do feel like we're changing that narrative. But if we keep that narrative, if, if sex trafficking looks just like this, um, you know, uh, chained up in a basement or or someone that's addicted to drugs and they got trapped because of that. If we keep that narrative, then the woman or the teenage girl um, that is going through this by a girl, by their best friend. We've had women that have said that their best friend, their best girlfriend have trafficked them. Right. But if we keep that narrative, if it's like the movie Taken, it's like this, then people don't self-identify. They mm. think maybe it's their fault. So explaining how the different ways it, it looks. In, in Memphis and Nashville, yes, you've got more gang activity. You're going to have more of that type of trafficking. In smaller communities where there is maybe greater poverty or, or those um, income levels that are just above poverty that are barely making it, we see a lot of familiar trafficking. And that is family members trafficking children, trafficking each other. Um, and usually that is generational. It usually happened to mama. So mama's like, this is kind of your lot in life. This is what you're going to do to keep the lights on, or this is what you're going to do 
you have to do to um, support our family. And so a 10-year-old can't even process what is happening to them. So how are they going to self-identify, much less how are they going to be able to go to that teacher in school and say, you won't believe what happened to me this weekend? Because, A, number one, would that teacher believe them? And number two is that they they might have been, they have been manipulated. Well, if you tell, um, they're going to take you and little Johnny away right, from us, and right. you're going to foster care. Yep. And so there's so much coercion. Um, can't say that word this morning, um, coercion and manipulation and even blackmail that keeps these people in these situations. And so, again, we've got to start talking about this and identifying it better so people know there are resources out there and can ask for help. ScarletRopeProject.com is the website. We're talking to Jewel Ann Stone. She's the executive director at Scarlet Rope, where Eight Days of Hope is currently there building a 5,400 square feet, give or take a little bit, facility for free um, with Scarlet Rope. But but before I get to that, I do want to follow up on just something you just shared. You know, Scott, you and I have had some conversations about trafficking. I know that Hannah Fletcher, our Safe House Ministry Director, actually goes to your church. You're her pastor. And so, you know, you've learned, you and your wife have learned a little bit more about trafficking. One of the numbers that just makes me want to I hate to say this, but throw up. Just, I get, I mean, my stomach gets turned upside down. 17% of, of those who've been trafficked have been trafficked by a family member. Mm-hmm. Scott, mm-hmm. I, I mean, a family member. Yep. People that you should be trusting and, 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 you know, they've got your back no matter what. I mean, there's nothing like family and, 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 you know, th- this is the fastest growing crime in the world. And unlike drugs, where you mm-hmm. sell some pot or some coke or some meth, there's a transaction. There's one transaction. Here it is. You give me money, buy. That transaction's over. The reason trafficking is just on a rampant rise, the fastest growing crime in the world, a trafficker can, and I hate to say this, but sell that product over and over again. Yeah. And mm-hmm. It's heartbreaking, mm-hmm. Scott. When, when mm-hmm. Scott, I mean, you know, you and your wife, and again, you're 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 all in. You, you want to learn more about this, um, but how were your how was your eyes opened up when you learned more about trafficking? Were, were you, you know, yeah, what was going through your mind when you start learning more about what was happening uh, across America, across the world? I th- I think it's a similar response to what you had. There's this feeling of just sickness, first of all, but there's also this feeling of. Oh, that happens in the major city. That mm. happens in the big area. Those are that's where people can get away with things. And we I think a lot of us specifically, you know, someone like myself who was raised in a small town in the south, we think, "Oh, our town, it's like Mayberry. Sure. Everything's sure. good here. Sure. Everything looks good." Yeah. And it's one of the tensions I've even been wrestling with is how do we live wise as serpents but innocent as doves this idea that our that our head is on a swivel almost that there's some discernment here of we need to be asking the right questions mm. we need to be looking out when when a st- i was i think i'm in student ministry for years where there are cases even that where a student was maybe sharing something with me that i could have possibly missed out mm. because i just thought yeah it's interesting a lot of us have been taught oh when a student says blank they're just being dramatic or if they're doing, you know, yeah. those are yeah. the types of things we're taught sometimes. Mm. And maybe it needs to be a little bit more detailed questions. And I, I honestly, my heart breaks, but I think there's also for a number of us in ministry a little bit overwhelmed. Where are resources 
How can we ask the right questions? Yeah. What resources do we need? How how can we be better at this? That's my heart. I want us to be better. I want us to be a part of the solution. I want us to be a part of bringing healing and light. Sure. But how? Well, it's not a fun thing to talk about. Mm-hmm. Again, we're, we're hanging out with Julian, Julian Stone, the executive director of Scarlet Rope in Jackson, Tennessee. My name is Steve Tiber, hanging out with Scott Lackey here, filling in for Mike Fiello. And you're listening to Hope Range. It's a broadcast of Eight Days of Hope, by the way. So, Julian... Let's talk about Scarlet Rope. What kind of services do you provide to those who have done a 180? You found a way to to bring into Scarlet Rope, rescued. What what do you do for these for for those in need? Uh, so our program is a long term residential, and so they can um, come into our program with basically just the clothes on their back, and we provide everything: um, food, clothing, shelter. Um, and um, they can, it's eight, uh, it's, yeah, it's 18 to 24 months. Um, our main, our main uh, focus for them, and, and the majority of the women that we do work with in this area do come in with a substance abuse disorder with some type of addiction. So um, although we're not an, an addiction, an A&D facility, we do foster an environment that really promotes um, sober living and going to AA and NA meetings, investing in in that sober community that we have here in Jackson, um, and then also um, trauma informed care, um, providing them um, you know trauma therapists that are trained to deal with PTSD, anxiety, um, depression, and all those things that um, that the trauma has caused them. And and people usually think, well, that's the trauma that happened to them, you know, when they were trafficked. Well, honestly. Usually people, um, a lot of the women that we've seen that have been in these trafficking situations, there was early childhood trauma that led them into the hands of a trafficker because of some type of vulnerability. Mm. So even going back to those childhood things, that's not always the case, but we see that a lot. But most importantly, we offer them Jesus. And um, our, our tagline, or what I say to the women, is that, look, when you have left our pro- when you've graduated from our program in 18, 24 months, you know, you're going to have a community of support. You're going to be sober. You're going to have healed from some of this trauma. Mm. Um, and you can call me, um, but I can't go with you. But Jesus mm. can if you will build that relationship with him while you're here. Mm. So we want to give you the space and the time to question him, to be angry with him, but to come back around and to realize how much he loves you because he can handle all of that. And so we want to give you that space to wrestle with him, to know and to to know um, just how much he loves you and how much um, he wants to see you thrive and and be the um, be the you that he created you to be. Amen. So. Oh, I like that. I like that. ScarletRopeProject.com is the website. ScarletRopeProject.com. For more information, how you can get involved with Eight Days Hope, because we're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back and just speak to Julianne a couple more minutes about what Eight Days Hope is doing with Scarlet Rope in Jackson, Tennessee. But there's a way that you can get involved. I mean, this is real. And maybe you're saying, okay, I know it's real. I've heard enough about it. I want to make a difference. By the end of the show today, we're going to give you multiple ways that you can make a difference to help those who have nowhere to turn with ministries like Scarlet Rope in Jackson, Tennessee. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Julianne a little bit more about the partnership with Eight Days of Hope, what's going down in this beautiful city of Jackson, Tennessee. We'll be back in just a minute. You're listening to Hope Reigns. It's a broadcast of Eight 
Days of Hope. Eight Days of Hope exists to love and serve those in need. During the past 16 years, over 8,000 families have experienced the hope of Jesus following a natural disaster through the help of almost 45,000 volunteers. God has also given us the chance to build and renovate facilities to bring safety and healing to survivors of human trafficking. The Rapid Response Ministry has been busier than ever with 44 deployments over the last 18 years. And then this year, we're excited to announce a brand new focus, mass feeding. When a disaster hits across the country, our mass feeding ministry will show up and serve those who have lost everything, families who are hungry and simply need a chance to enjoy a hot meal. The goal is simple, to provide up to 8,000 meals every day for up to eight days for this community. It's free to volunteer with 80s Hope. We provide the food and lodging. All you have to do is show up and be the hands and feet of Jesus. For more information about this growing ministry, please go to 8daysofhope.com. That's 8daysofhope.com. 8 Days of Hope is thankful for ministry partners like Provia, a manufacturer of residential exterior building products. Provia's mission is to serve by caring for details, and each employee strives to do that every day. Provia combines automation and human craftsmanship in creating their doors, windows, siding, stone, and metal roofing. More about Provia's mission and products can be found at Provia.com. That's P-R-O-V-I-A.com. Welcome back to Hope Reigns, a broadcast of Eight Days of Hope. Thank you for joining us. My name is Steve Tiber. I'm uh, one of the hosts hanging out with not Mike Fiella, who's been a regular for three and a half years. Mike's got a couple weeks where he's kind of out of pocket hanging out with Scott Lackey. Scott's in the house. Thanks for having me today. Yeah. It's good to be here with you, Steve. <laughs> oh, man. I'll tell you, you were such a trooper. I called him last night and said, Scott, I need a co-host. Please, please, please. And you found a way to make it happen. I, I do appreciate it. Scott, we're talking to Julianne Stone. She is the Julianne Stone. She is the executive director of Scarlet Rope. Scarlet Rope is a ministry in Jackson, Tennessee, providing hope to those feeling hopeless. I mean, someone who's been trafficked. You know, I have five sisters, Scott. I have three daughters. And just the thought, and Mike talks all the time about his grandchildren, what goes through his mind. This is not a fun thing to talk about. And if you're listening today and you've got kids in the back seat, don't worry. We're not going to cross any lines. But you need to know this is real. Yep. And it's happening in Des Moines, Iowa. I mean, it's happening in, in uh, Spring Hill, Missouri. It's happening from coast to coast. It's the fastest growing crime in the world, Scott. Oh, it just It's unbelievable when you hear that. It's it, it first, like we've been talking about this entire time, you think, fast, how could that be the case? There's mm. There's so many other things, and it's... It's easy for us to get caught up 
in the everyday. Oh, it's not in my face. So, okay. so it must not be a thing. Sure. But then when we're talking to those, like we're talking with Julianne today, we realize this is a thing. And I, I really love the direction of this conversation as we're discussing how is we, how can we as the church respond? And I'd even love to know as a, as a pastor, because sometimes I know there's at times maybe a bit of a tension between parachurches and churches. And okay, how can we as a church as a whole, how can we as pastors bring greater attention to this? Well, let's do that. Let's bring Julianne back on. Julianne, thanks again for hanging out with us, calling in from Jackson, Tennessee uh, this morning. Um, Julianne, before we get to how you met ADs Hope and what's going on, why don't you answer the question, what, what advice would you give to a pastor, a missions director, a, a, a ministry leader today, a youth leader? Um, you know, f- follow up to Scott's yeah. question on how you would address that. Good question, and it's a it's a large topic, a large conversation, and um, and I think as far as um, the church and pastors and things like that, it it is having those hard hard conversations because, I mean, sex trafficking it really is kind of a reflection of our society today and all all the moral compromise mm-hmm. that we have, um, and so really because we know pornography is a feeder into sex trafficking. Um, and so, and, and we know, um, and, you know, pornography has been around forever and, and prostitution has been around forever. Um, but it's more so readily available to all of us and to our children. And so we know now, I I believe the statistic is that, that the age of a child, that the age of a person that first sees their pornographic picture is, I want to say 10 or 11. Um, And so we know also that pornography, it's a hidden dark secret, more so probably than a meth addiction or cocaine addiction. And so, um, so really having those conversations with our teenagers, with, with uh, men, with, and even women, women, it's a growing, it is a growing um, addiction among women as well. And so, so all of these things um, play, and so that plays into sex trafficking, you know, along with, and I sound like my grandmother, <laughs> the music these kids listen to today. I mean, but really, I mean, along with all of those things, there's so, we're, 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 we're slowly being broken down into, in, in our thing, in our mindset is slowly changing. And, you know, uh, what we tolerate today, we accept tomorrow. And, and all of these things are playing down in the moral compromise. And right. so really stepping back and holding each other accountable, men hold men accountable, check in with men, you know, um, check in with our teenagers, like let them know how, and, and pornography is so addictive that there's been so many studies done on this that, um, in your brain, in your frontal lobe, when someone does a line of cocaine, part of this part in your frontal brain lights up. And I'm sorry, part of this, part of your lobe in your frontal brain lights up. Same thing when you're watching um, pornographic images or videos, you get that high, you get that euphoria. Well, just like you need more, um, more of a substance to get that high, you need more pornography. And so it's just this vicious cycle of more, more, more. And soon enough, the images aren't going to satisfy you. Sure. You're going to want to, to touch that, to feel that, to have that, to have that mm. experience. And that's when we see trafficking come in because they'll go purchase someone to do that with. And so I, I maybe went down a rabbit hole. With no, 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 you didn't. No, <laughs> but, it's good um, stuff. That's good. It's, that's it's, solid. Yeah, that's fine. That's but, fine. Um, but 
but all that, that in those, and I'm sure we could sit here and we could, there are other things that would come to topic as well right. of like, of how, how this is all feeding, how, how we are really div, um, putting victims out there or um, for, for, for perpetrators to take hold of um, because of some of the images that we are embedding in our teenagers or in, in, in our in our society of what is acceptable, but it's really not. It's really not acceptable. So let, let me offer a resource, and, and again, we're, we're winding down. We've got a couple of minutes left. Let, let me offer a resource to every parent and grandparent out there. There's probably a good 30 or 40 apps that people, children, put on their phones and sometimes not even knowingly share information with mm-hmm. strangers. And so yeah. if you want, Hannah Fletcher, uh, who leads this ministry, this arm of the ministry for Eight Days of Hope, she has compiled a list talking to experts around the country of every social media app that we as parents, grandparents, should be aware that our children should not have. And if you want that, mm-hmm. we'd love to send it to you. Just email us, safehouse, safehouse at eightdaysofhope.com. You need to spell it out, eight days of hope, safehouse at eightdaysofhope.com. And just email Hannah and say, hey, Hannah, I'd love to get that list of apps that I should be on the lookout because there's apps that you and I think it's a game app, right? You know, I'm 61. I'm not up to date on every app that a 16-year-old will want, but I do know what apps that I should be looking for. And so that resource is available uh, to you. Again, email us at safehouse at 8daysofhope.com. We've only got about five minutes left, Julianne, but let's talk about how did you hear about 8 Days of Hope? And, and what is what is the 8 Days of Hope crew doing? For, I know I'm not there today, but but what's the, and they don't need me, I promise you. But what, what is the group doing for you these uh, these last two weeks? And, and uh, yeah, talk a little bit about the volunteers there. I mean, it is, it's crazy awesome. Um, I, um, in fact, I had a board member call me yesterday that drove by the site, and they're like, they are working fast and furiously. Like, we got to find them some more work if we've got them here for two weeks. Like, if we're going to run out of things for them, we can because they're, um, cause they are like worker bees. And so they have framed that house so quick. Um, and I stopped by there yesterday and talked to Adam and I was telling him that I was like, are you sure? Yeah. I mean, do we need to go get some other supplies for y'all to do something else? But he's, he, they have assured me, he and my contractor have assured me they have plenty, they have plenty Good. of work to do. Wow. Um, but, um, yeah, they, I, you know, I, w- learning about eight days of hope and I don't even, and you know, I know I made a, I know I got your number yeah, and you, I made a phone call. You called to you. me. You I remember answered. That. Yeah. yeah, you and I like, and I just was like, "Wow, that's incredible!" That um, <laughs> that he answered. That he answered his phone. <laughs> he answered the phone, and this, you know, this guy that's going to build, help build my home. Like it wasn't like, um, it was just so. It was just awesome. And so you and I spoke before COVID, and um, and at that time, um, we kind of were we when we. When we started Scarlet Rope, we never set out to build a to build a house. We set out to serve women, and I will say we have been on our knees, prayerful about mm, how to best good. serve the, the women and um, what they needed. And the Lord has provided this one hundred percent. And so through that, just starting that conversation with you of like, what? Okay, we might build this house. Would y'all be able to help us? And you're like, sure, you know, and reach back out, kind of do this, this, and that, and we. We did that, you know, and 
Um, and I, I just remember praying to the Lord, like, if this is going to happen, if, if Scarlet Rope is going to build this home where we're going to double our capacity to serve women, Lord, you have got to, you've got to do this thing. Because I'm boots on the ground with the women where I need to be, walking side by side with them. And so, and our staff is, and he has done this by eight days of hope, by y'all coming in and framing our home and saving us that much on labor, by the community that we live in. People just knowing about our mission, wanting to learn more, and giving us money. The churches, the businesses, the individuals. We don't we don't take any state or federal funding. We um, and so this has all been raised, um, and we are about we're halfway to our goal of what we need. Has all been raised just by people feeling led to give to us, and that is nothing but the Lord. That is that's nobody's work but the Lord's. And so, anyway, um, I, I think. Um, this has just been a faith builder for me as much as anything else. Mm, I love um, so, but eight days of hope, those, the men and the women that are here, they're just so grateful to be here. Like my husband was like, you mean the, people are coming here to do this from all over the United States. Like they're taking vacation days to come in and build right. it to do hot labor in the sun. Cause let me tell you, it's hot in the <laughs> South right now. And yeah. um, to come and do that with a, you know, with a smile on their face and just so, happy to be here um it's humbling to receive uh, that type of gift from people so yeah you know julianne last night i sent scott a picture it was late at night i normally don't text after a certain time but i was picking my girls from youth group and i sent it over to scott i said scott check out what these guys have, have knocked out in just a couple days and 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 he's like you gotta be kidding me i mean it scott, was insane that, i was i was blown away yeah i mean yep. it, 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 yeah <laughs> You're probably scratching your head like, how did that just happen, right? How did that just – now, I'll tell you this, Julianne. Um, I, I was talking to Adam Hamesley yesterday. Our director of operations has a week off, Chandler Gurley, and so Adam and I are talking, and Hannah and I are, are chatting a little bit. And and Adam says, I like these guys. I said, what do you mean? He goes, yeah, because you like everyone, right? He goes, man, they're – they're they're lining up some really good food for us, Steve. So so you learn you learn very quickly. You know you throw them a cookie here or there or a piece of meat, man. They they'll work for free, but you got to feed them. And they said this is like eight pounds of hope for them. They're having a blast. Well, and that's that's the beauty. That's the wonderful community that Scarlet Rope exists in. Is like I did. I had I had business calling businesses in the community calling me saying, "Hey, we know those guys are there. Can we go feed them?" Like. Oh. And I was like, sure, you know, so I'm having people call me and say, I see what's going on there. We want to help. We want to see them. We want to do something for them. I love so, it. I love it. So that's S- been fun. ScarletRopeProject.com. ScarletRopeProject.com. And again, if you want to get involved in ministry, if you're skilled, if you're a handyman, handywoman, maybe you're a contractor, maybe you're just gifted with your hands. You've never been a, a contractor, but you want to join us. It's simple. Email us at safehouse at eightdaysofhope.com. Um, there is a background check. You know, we're building safe houses for those rescued from trafficking. But once um, you do the background check, we'll put you on the list and we'll invite you to go with us wherever we go. In fact, in August, we're, we're going to be in your state again, Julianne. We're going to be in Chattanooga, Tennessee, building the Tim Tebow oh. Foundation, a, a home in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Wow. Yeah, I, I think I did hear something about that. That is awesome. Yeah, That's great. we love it. Hey, before we let you go, again, if you'd like to donate to help Scarlet Rope take another step forward, they can donate online, Julianne. Is, is that how that works? They, they sure can. We have a, Our website is scarletropeproject.com. 
Um, and I believe you can go to our Facebook page, Scarlet Rope, and it you might can donate there, or it will take you to our website where you can donate. Yeah, love it. Mm-hmm. Go to scarletroveproject.com, make a donation, and make a difference. Joanne, it's such an honor to partner with you guys. I can't wait to see you face-to-face next week. I'm coming in, and I'm, 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 I'll, I'll bring mm-hmm. T-shirts, because up, up, up north it's still a little chilly, but down there I know <laughs> it's not. But, hey, before we let you go— it's hot. Scott's going to pray for you in Scarlet mm-hmm. Rope and for the volunteers. Yeah. Amen. Jesus, yeah, we, thank we thank you, Jesus. We thank you for what you're doing through Scarlet Rope. We thank you for Jewel Ann and her leadership and that you called yes. her, Lord, and she responded and said, Here I am, Lord, send me. She responded to the call, and she took up her cross to follow you, Christ. And I just pray that you'd continue to be with her, give her wisdom and discernment, and I pray for all the volunteers who are affiliated with the Scarlet Rope or yes. with Eight Days of Hope. Give them strength. Give them energy. Give them an outlook to see that everything they're doing is for you, Christ. And I pray for those who Scarlet Hope is ministering to, those who have been rescued from this horrible, horrible act and sin of yes. sex trafficking, Lord. And I just pray for those who are committing committing these atrocities, that they would see the evil and the wickedness of their ways and turn to you, Christ. And I just pray for healing in all of this. Continue to give Scarlet Rope favor as they move forward. Yes. Be with Jewel Ann. Thank you for this ministry, and thank you for eight days of hope, Lord. May we keep our focus on you, and may it be for your glory and not our own. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Scott. Yeah. Joanne, Jul- you have a great day. Give give those guys and gals a hug for me, and uh, we'll, we'll see each other next week. Okay, that sounds good. Thank you. Thank you. Great thank job. Thank you all very much. Have a good day. Julianne Stone, the Executive Director of Scarlet Rope. Scott, we've only got a couple of minutes. And, and again, hopefully you know, no one felt we crossed the line, but this is real. It's happening across the country. Parents and grandparents, we have to educate. The, the number one way that a trafficker either finds a way to groom, entice, a cajole, trick, is through smartphones, through cell phones. We need to know what our kids are looking at and where they're spending time on their cell phone. Again, if you want a, a list of all the social media apps that are being used, there's some apps that pretend they're one thing, but they're really something else. There's apps that people can share videos with strangers. There's some there's some bad stuff out there, Scott, but but we have a resource for you. Email us at safehouse at eightdaysofhope.com. We'll send you the list of apps. And if you see... One that's missing. Let let us let Hannah know. Hannah Fletcher know, and and we'll add that to the list. And Scott, I know we got a couple of minutes, but there's a lot of bad things that happen in the world. This is these are tough times. You know, the news is 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 floored with bad. You know, things across the world in our community, in our nation. But there's some good going on, too. Mm-hmm. And it's happening in Jackson, Tennessee. The ministry Scarlet Rope, loving those who need to be loved. Volunteers with Eight Days of Hope building a 5,400-square-foot home for free, all in the name of Jesus. I mean, I got goosebumps. So let's not give up on the world, people, right. because some good's happening. Amen. Yeah, there's there's stuff that Christ is doing in the world. He's still doing it. And what whatever we do, we're not doing it in vain as long as we're doing it in the name of Jesus. And it can be so easy to buy into the narrative of it's just, uh, you know, what what can we do? Let's just throw in the towel. And one of the things that I hear people say is, well, we can just pray, or all we can do is pray. Mm. And I don't want us to diminish prayer. It's sure. not just pray. No, you can pray, or all we can do is pray. No, we have this opportunity to go before the God of all of creation, and we can pray, but we can also serve. We can give financially. And one of the best things that we can do is to realize there is evil out there, but God has given us all gifts. He's given us all abilities, and we can use those gifts for his glory to engage with these issues Mm. and do something to make a difference. 
Pray, volunteer, donate. We use that tagline a lot here at 80s Hope. And, you know, we have our partners. If you go to our website and you scroll down the web, the page, there's 18 partners that cover our fixed costs. What does that mean to someone who maybe is not a business expert? If you donate today at 8daysofhope.com, if you become a monthly partner, if you mail a check, I'll give you the mail and address in a minute. 100% of those donations will go directly to the project. So today, if you say, hey, Eight Days of Hope, we want to give a donation for safe houses, 100% of that will be used for safe houses, not for a salary, not for a phone bill, not for a truck that's hauling materials down, down the road. So you can give online at 8daysofhope.com. You can become a monthly partner. It's fast, easy, it's safe. You can mail a check to P.O. Box 3208. That's 3208, Tupelo, Mississippi, 38803. 3208 is the P.O. Box, Tupelo, T-U-P-E-L-O, Mississippi, 38803. And, you know, we're ECFA certified, Evangelical Christian Financial Accreditation. There's a set of standards we have to live, you know, live up to. We, there's a third-party audit every year with eight days old, so it's not me or the treasurer doing a self-audit. And if you look at some of the, 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 the people out there that grade charities— um, we're very thankful that we we get some high marks, and I don't say that pridefully, but we want we want you to know that if you're going to sow into ministry, that we're going to treat those gifts with respect, with honor, and as a gift from God. And so again, uh, pray, volunteer, donate, but please do something. Uh, but Scott, to your point, it all starts with prayer. We got a minute left yet, Scott. Um, you know, we have another safe house coming up in August with the Tim Tebow Foundation. There's a huge project, a $5 million project in Ohio, in the Akron Canton area that we're going to be announcing that people can come and serve with us over a six-month period. Yep. So you can't say, well, that week's a bad week for you because it's okay. I got, you know, there's 48 other weeks you can come <laughs> serve with us, right? So you got to come up with a better excuse than yep. that, Scott, right? Yep. I love that. And when here, here's what I would say as a pastor. Whenever we bring these things up, just always say, what can I do to be involved? Mm. How can I, instead of just saying, oh, someone else will take care of it, ask yourself, God, what are you asking me to do right now? And we got to get out of our comfort zones. I know the last two years, two and a half years with COVID has kind of restricted some of us, and I respect that. I do. But still, don't get comfortable sitting on the sidelines. I mean, we can all yep. pray, but when you start feeling comfortable to volunteer, find a ministry that you believe in, that you trust, that, that you feel connected with. It doesn't have to be eight days of hope. It's This is not all about eight days of hope. It's about God's people being the hands and feet of his son, Jesus, to be a light in a very dark world. Amen. Find somebody and serve somebody. Use your gifts that God's given you. Hey, I want to thank a couple of our national partners like Renaissance Bank. Here's a publicly traded bank in the South. They are so generous with ATs Hope. Thank you. Our Barnes Crossing Auto Group, again, with auto dealers in Louisiana, Mississippi, Tennessee, and elsewhere. Then I think about some of the churches like Our Savior's Church in Lafayette, Louisiana, multiple campuses, New Point Community Church as well. Uh, in Ohio and many others. Go to 8dayshope.com for more information about our partners. But on behalf of Scott Lackey um, and myself, I'm Steve Tiber. Thank you for listening. This has been a broadcast called Hope Reigns of 8 Days of Hope.
Thanks for listening to Hope Reigns from 8 Days of Hope. Come back next week for more God-sized stories from across the country. To listen to this or a previous episode of Hope Reigns, please visit our show archive at 8daysofhope.com.